They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. Johama was a man who thought he was a loner, but he knew it couldn't last. Johama left his home in Tucson, Arizona for some Texas grass. A get back, a get back, get back to where you once belonged. Get back, get back, a get back, a get back, get back to where you once belonged. Get back, Joe Hummel. Mm-hmm. I don't know where. Is he from Tucson, Arizona? I'm not sure, but I know he's in he Texas. He is now. <laughs> we just made his bio. <laughs> we just totally changed your background, Joe Hummel. That's how that works. Welcome, everybody, to Thoughts That Rock. Mm-hmm. You know it. You get it. It's the podcast about exchanging two pieces of life-changing advice. We do it in 30 minutes, and welcome to season four. <sighs> it's the kickoff. I know you've been waiting for us for... I don't know, seven months. This is what it sounded this is what it sounds like when we're not doing episodes. <laughs> it just fades out. <laughs> people choke on their own breath. Go to credit. This episode is brought to you yeah. by Bookie Call. Bookie Call, what is mm-hmm. that? Bookie Call First I've heard of it. Is an innovative book discovery platform that's cleverly disguised as a dating app. What what? It is a free app on both iOS and and Android, mm-hmm. you download it, you set up a profile for free, you tell it the type of books that you like, and it matches you just like Tinder, Match, eHarmony, any of those Grindr. things. Sure. Whatever floats your boat, it's going to match you with a compatible book just like those sites match you with a compatible mate. you got to try it. It is so much fun. It is the new way to discover your next great read bookie call download it today that is awesome i love that i'm totally checking it out mostly because you know we own it yeah (laughs) listen if you like this show i'm not Mm -hmm. talking about bookie call but thoughts at rock take a moment and do us a favor like this would be a huge favor listen we haven't given you any new content in like seven months this would be a nice thing for you to do even though we haven't done anything for you Go and give us a rating and a yep. review. And I say rating like five star would be awesome. Just leave us a couple words on there like, you guys rock. Yeah. We love you. What is Bookie Call? You're so handsome. Whatever. Wh- whatever you want. And you can even write something to Brant if you want to <laughs> as well. Listen, all of that helps because then it helps us grow the show so that we can make a little bit more money because we want to give as much as possible away to who? Mm, Cannibal Kids Cancer. Love those guys. Thoughts That Rock supports CKC and their mm-hmm. fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who've run out of options. They do amazing work. You should check them out at cannibalkidscancer.org. They are amazing. And listen, we know how busy you are. Super and busy. just grabbing those little, we like to mm-hmm. say nuggets, leadership nuggets Ooh, of wisdom. You, your hands off my nugget. That could probably, you know, <laughs> with Chick-fil-A sauce, I would guess. That's what actually does it. Sure. Listen, we're trying to amp up your life. We're trying to make it better. We know mm-hmm. how hard they are to come by. Yep. And 
listen, we're just going to spitball here, but I bet you're doing two things at once. Yes. You're probably listening to us right now, but I bet you're doing something else. Like and what? it doesn't even matter to us. It could be anything. Like yep. maybe you're uh, building a treehouse out of cardboard. Ow. Maybe you're taking a break from four straight hours of just dance. <gasps> My feet hurt. Maybe you're blow drying your hair. Shh. I'm beautiful. Doesn't really matter to us. <laughs> we just want to be the half hour you've been looking forward to all week Don't in seven months. hate me because I'm beautiful. I do not. Ba-bum. Our guest today is Joe Hummel, who is the chief executive officer of Twin Peaks, where he brings his wide-ranging experience in all facets of the restaurant business over the past 30-plus years to that concept First off, Joe, welcome to Thoughts That Rock. Thank you. Thank you. Good to see you guys. Good to see you too, brother. Man. And, and again, I, I encourage everybody to go take a look at his uh, bio that obviously we're going to have in the show notes. But, you know, we did want to point out a couple cool things. First off, uh, Joe began really in distribution and purchasing, and he worked his way up to becoming the EVP of operations and purchasing at Hooters of America. So that's really where he sort of cut his teeth. And then he joined... Lasima Restaurants as Chief Operating Officer, which is the largest franchisee of Twin Peaks Restaurants, eventually took the reins as CEO of Twin Peaks in 2016. And again, just for some transparency, I was lucky enough to uh, meet Joe a couple times, but really spent some time with him during uh, a speaking engagement that I was lucky enough to do for Twin Peaks, and then obviously doing some consulting work for the brand with our business partner and good friend, Kathleen Wood. So, Man, we're just uh, we're, we're lucky to have you. I know we're ending up the year uh, in in uh, 2021, moving into 2022 by the time this airs. So I'm sure you've got uh, a, a lot of busyness in your restaurants. It does get uh, quite busy around the holidays, right? Holidays are crazy. Nobody's working. They all go to work, but then they leave. So they don't go <laughs> yes. home. And they uh, lunches become three hour lunches, and dinners become five hour dinners. So. Yeah, it's all good. It's it's a great atmosphere when when the holidays are here. Well, Joe, I, th- I think it's great that you had the opening act of Jim speaking at one of your events. And when you're ready for the main event, you, yes. you, you let me know. Maybe 2022, I'll, I'll come and shake the walls a little bit. Jim yeah. helped us write our, our one of our, our goals to hit hit a billion dollars by 2027. We're still on track. Boom. Ooh, we're gonna get it earlier, do, I think. We're how much do you attribute that to me? Out of a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, you, you made an impact on me, man. I had to, I had to remember that for a while. That's well, reaching. I'll send, the, uh, I'll send you the address for the commission <laughs> yeah. later on. That was in 2017. It was a 10 year plan. <laughs> yes, yes. Boom. We yeah. we beat it. I love it. We'll get it. So, uh, Joe, versus the traditional um, interview style that you probably hear in a lot of podcasts, we, we do things a little bit different. You know, our audience has really uh, served and, and really loved the great pieces of advice that we do on the show. So, you know, we're basically going to turn the floor open to you, my friend. What is your thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock, number one. Uh, you know, become obsessed with being great. It will change everything. Um, those were the words... I've listened to, I've heard, um, kind of just acted on. Uh, it was, it was really nothing uh, that I got from one particular person. It was just from listening to a lot of motivational videos and music when I'm running. Uh, yeah. you know, I listened to a lot of that. So 
I just, there's certain thoughts that stick with you while you're running. You have, you're trying to get through five miles of running. So there's not a lot to do, but just get through that. Running. <laughs> yes. That in <laughs> itself is obsession. So, yeah. so in, you're saying it didn't really come from one location. You just sort of cobble it together, but yep. somehow that's just resonated with you. Uh, maybe first question then is how did that um, ultimately change your advice and maybe even parlay into the business? Uh, when you, when you think about that piece of advice, become obsessed with being great it become your uh, your work becomes a lifestyle. It's no longer a job. Yeah, uh, and you don't sit there and reflect back on all your accomplishments because it's always every day forward. Um, restaurant business is we have two days off. We have Thanksgiving and Christmas off. Mm-hmm. Every other day is moving, and so if you spend too much time thinking about Monday, Friday blows past you. Mm-hmm. So you know it's just kind of it, it made my work become a lifestyle work. And that's really what we tell everybody that comes to work for us. It's not a job. It's a lifestyle. Um, and you have to treat it that way. Uh, if you don't, if you want to do nine to five, can't be in the restaurant business. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. like I said, you have two days off and every other day you're opening up at seven o'clock and you're closing at 2 a.m. and you're probably getting out of the restaurant by 4 a.m. So it's, it's kind of 24 hours close to it. So no just be obsessed yeah. with being great. Yeah, I love this idea yeah, of obsession. You know what I mean? I think that it's this—it's what separates, you know, the the, the Michael Jordans from uh, you know the Charles Barkleys. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it's they're both they were both great players, but I would say only one was obsessed with winning. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think it's that same way. You know, I spend a lot of time uh, in the work that I do helping people separate things they tell themselves are really important from what I would consider non-negotiables and they, they easily can distract themselves with really important things, but they're not the things that are actually going to move the needle in the business. They're just things that they are saying and telling themselves are really important. And so we spend a lot of time trying to separate those two because they act like they're, they're right next to each other, but in reality, they're a mile apart from each other. And, and I think it's that same way with obsession, right? It's one thing to sort of want to be successful. It's another thing to sort of want to be, you know, one of the top brands and, and reach that billion dollar goal. It's another thing to need it. And when you transfer want to need, you start to get into that realm of obsession is that how did you get yourself from, from something that would be nice to reach to, uh, being, being sort of driven by this obsession and need to make that happen. I think it's always been kind of in me being a competitor. Um, I played sports growing up and you never just want to win one to nothing. You want to win five. You don't want to win five to one. You want to win five to nothing. Mm -hmm. So when you start thinking of it that way and always trying to achieve it, it has to roll into your lifestyle. So sports was a big part of my life growing up and it just kind of flowed into my work, my work style. Um, and it became a habit and you, you know, you brought up non-negotiables. It's funny. We have non-negotiables too. When we visit a store, there's certain non-negotiables you can't walk away from, uh, you know, the difference between a cold beer and a frozen beer, frozen beer is a non-negotiable with our, with our brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's kind of the difference between good and great is the details. Yep. And like you brought up Jordan and Barkley, you yep. saw it in his uh, documentary. I mean, yeah. he was mm-hmm. obsessed with winning yep. and yep. being great. It wasn't just winning. It was, you know, I don't want to settle for one championship. I want to fill my whole hand with rings. That's and, right. 
I think that's what we're like uh, when we're running a brand like this that is so visible to everybody. Um, you want to be great yeah. because it's visible. Yeah. You don't want to be okay. Um, the food was okay. Uh, we want people to walk away with like really, if they get a great experience, it's memorable. If it's not a memorable experience, it's probably okay. You know, mm, it was just yeah. good. We don't want to just be good. Um, and we want all of our competitors. Uh, competitors are great for us because it makes us get better. You know how when somebody moves in next to you in the restaurant business or anything, your first thing a lot of employees will do is go out and tell you everything bad about them. Oh, this was bad. This was bad. Tell me anything that's good so we can copy it. Mm-hmm. Find out why it's so good. Why, why are all those people there that day? Don't tell me the food was slow. The, you know, the TVs were bad or whatever. Tell me why those people were there and see if it fits into our brand. Um, you have to go about that. And that, that obsession does that, I think. Um, but it's, it's the athlete in you, um, the competitive mm-hmm. side in you. Mm-hmm. Love sports. Watch it nonstop. I can watch darts as long as, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I think at our stores, you can watch pretty much any sporting event. So it's true. That's fun. We like to be competitive. We want to go after the, we want to go after the win and we want to win big. When you talk about uh, obsession, Joe, and this amazes me too, especially in your role as the CEO, you know, I, I just remember on many occasions, the management team would run around making sure, especially if they knew that the boss was coming in, if the big mm-hmm. guy, big girl was coming in, you would do everything to make sure the place was flawless. And you hope like heck that you've got some obsessed people on the team that they'll make sure it's right. But, you know, you've got this extra sixth sense, right? You, you could have a, a district manager come in, you could have a VP, you could have the CEO walk in and all of a sudden stuff is jumping off and landing you on the face like the thing in Aliens, right? And it, it blows people's minds that you go, we spent all this time and energy to make sure that this was cold, this was hot, this was clean, whatever. And you're going, not right, not right, not right. I guess when you start talking about obsession for you, it's it sounds like it's not just a personal thing, but you're talking about it with your team and maybe maybe not everything could be perfect. So do you sort of pick your battles as to what are those, like you said, non-negotiables, but for you, how do you sort of translate this to the rest of the team that they can be obsessed at least about the non-negotiables like that? If you can't do that, that's the price of admission. That's when we start to fail. Right. Mm -hmm. I think, I think how you get that across to your team is um, I don't know if relentless is too strong of a word, but never, turning away from the non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. If it's just that day and you turn away and they see you turn away from the non-negotiable, it's going to be okay. Uh, uh, maybe it's two days in a row. We, we serve a, a warm beer or, or a cold beer, not a frozen beer. Um, so you never let that go. Um, but you do have to be aware of your team's desire to get obsessed because it doesn't happen overnight. You can't wear them down where they leave you. So yeah. Yeah. you still have to build them up. I mean, they're pretty pumped over a two nothing victory and you can't walk into the locker room and say it should have been five. <laughs> yeah. Um, you need to celebrate, but we need to get back. And then, then maybe we Monday morning quarterback at what could we have done just a little better to, to just take that over the edge. Um, if, if it's always grind, grind, grind that they'll leave you. Yeah. Um, and so you have to be aware of that because in my early days, we grind, grind, grind. And I'm sure people left me and they're like, I can't handle this. <laughs> um, fortunately, I got a little older and a little smarter. Not, I don't know. Maybe I listened to uh, the advice I was getting from others. Um, so you just have to really balance that, that grind. Um, 
because it can push people out. Yeah, I love but it. But you don't want them to back away from winning five nothing. That's yeah, the truth. No. that's the truth, right? Yeah. And I and yeah. I think that you know it's it's interesting to me. So you know, my experience with your brand started in probably. I think it was in Atlanta was the first time I'd ever been. Um, Which one? Buckhead? It Buckhead, yeah. yeah it was, the, it was my it, first store. I built this was it? Yeah. Same here. So yeah. uh, the organization that um, I was working with, banding people together, we had our office in the shared office space right next door. Oh. And so we'd go okay. there all the time. And and why drive anywhere to go to lunch when Twin Peaks is right next door? <laughs> so exactly. we would go there every day and eat. You know, and the, and the interesting thing was it didn't really hit me until – I went to uh, your location in Orlando, uh, and I think it was the iDrive location. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, and and my experience of from from the second that I walked through the door was exactly the same. Right, it, it, I was I was greeted with a with a beautiful smile and a warm welcome, and sort of all of those like like we're really happy that you're here, not like a. Ugh, like I get where when you I, want to sit when, <laughs> when I go into Denny's. Yes, um, it is a it is a different experience, and so um, you know I I think the interesting thing that you say when you talk about these non negotiables and getting people to to perform at that level, you know I have always found there's really a, a couple of ways to, to do that, and I I sort of relate it to caring for somebody else's dog, right? So if I, I think we've all been in a position where our neighbor you know, leaves for a couple of days and they say, Hey, can you watch my dog? Mm -hmm. Um, Most of us say yes, not because we love dogs, but because of our relationship with the neighbor. And so we we do it, but we go over sort of begrudgingly. And the first time it's okay. The second time you're like, ugh, you know, the third time you're going to go over and let him out and, you know, clean up after him and do all these things that, that are not exactly glamorous or fun in any way, shape or form. Um, and, And I feel like a lot of organizations make this same mistake metaphorically. They hand people a dog that's not theirs and they say, I want you to care for this like I care for it. Um, And and the truth is it's not their dog and they're never going to care for it like that. So you've got to find ways to figure out what they care about and allow them to use that to, to create that same level of obsession that's needed for that consistent experience that happens every time someone walks through your door. Do you, do you do this from a, I guess my question is, do you do it from a point where you're hiring, looking for these similar values and people that you hire, or are you creating bridges within your organization to people so they can use what matters most to them to amplify the brand? I think when you're hiring them, you're, you're trying to bring them into a family. Um, you really don't want them to think is it's a clock in clock out environment. You want them to think of it as I'm coming here to pay for my life. Um, so that's kind of the approach we take with it. And the hospitality starts with your employees. I mean, we're all in the hospitality business, but um, we, we should always strive to be the highest hospitality with our employees so they can, they carry it forward to the guests. Um, and if it's just a job to them and we treat it as a job to them, then it's not hospitality. You're, mm-hmm. you're checking the box, you're finishing off the widget and you're moving on to the next moment in your life. Whereas if we can make that environment for them welcoming, and we don't do it always. We, we certainly should strive to, I'm sure we miss, but if, as long as we wake up every day and be like, all right, we got to make this a good place for everybody. And when you don't like going into work, the hospitality goes away. Yeah. I mean, you you have to, you, if you wake up begrudgingly, like, God, I gotta get to work. 
um, and you feel that way every day, it's time for a change. Turn around and go home. You got to yeah. go because it's, it's going to wear you out and it's going to destroy the, uh, the business. Yep. And it will destroy the hospitality to the internally and then it will destroy the hospitality externally to the guests. Hospitality fixes everything. Um, it makes a, a cold meal feel a little warmer. Yep. <laughs> I mean, we want to strive for perfection, but we know we don't hit it. But hospitality, you can hit pretty yeah. pretty consistently if you're if you it's in you. Yeah. And uh, it makes everything just a little better. Um, and then we can just fine tune all the nitpick parts of, of the building. Exactly. I mean, I know I can't go to I can't go out to eat properly without looking at a vent and be like, "What's up in that vent?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're the worst. <laughs> yes. Nobody wants to go to dinner with me. Like I don't want to go. <laughs> Every single restaurant visit is a you're looking at the spot on the on the fork. <laughs> like, oh boy, there's a water spot on this glass. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you use a term that we we talk about a lot, and uh, you said you know you'll you'll strive for perfection, but we'll settle for excellence. Like we want it to be great, and it probably goes back to that obsession. And and actually, you were just talking about something. I think about um, you know Todd Rundgren has that song uh, "Bang on the Drum All Day." It's a very you know, upbeat and peppy song, but if you listen to the words. If it's perfectly, I think when it comes to business, because you were talking about this, it's basically about you should enjoy your job every day. You should embrace every moment. You should look for an opportunity to make it great. Keep working hard. Again, the, the words are different, but his whole thing is not just go and fool around and, and, and bang on the drum just because it's you got to have that work ethic. You got to put in the time. You got to put in the obsession, be passionate and committed. And then a whole bunch of awesomeness comes out of that. So you know, maybe as a as sort of a bow onto your part here is, do you think we could go too far? Like, do you think, because I talk about guest obsession all the time. Yeah. I wonder if somebody is so obsessed that it could backfire on you. And I don't know what your thoughts are, if that's happened to you before that you've just been ah, so, yeah. so gang ho about something and wah, wah, it comes around to get you. Well, I think you, you need to surround yourself with people that you work with that aren't afraid to tell you to back off. And I have a great core group of people that I, that I share day-to-day work with, and uh, they have to feel comfortable enough to say, all right, just stop. <laughs> we got it. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, you can, you can grind it. I mean, it kind of goes back to our conversation earlier. You have to know when to back, back down, just celebrate. Let's get that celebration out of the way. We'll talk about what we could have done better later. Yeah. Um, and you got to really make that family feel. I think, I think with our culture and our brand and our DNA, um, I, we truly care about, you know, their families, you know, it's just, they come into work and you don't know about the kids or their mothers or sisters or brothers. And you don't even ask them and genuinely listen to what they're saying about it. Um, so you got to really keep that family knit that will help balance you. And that also, if you have that family mentality that keeps people around you that are comfortable enough, to say you're wrong, uh, you need to back off. Um, we've got it. You're wearing down the troops. Um, they got to feel comfortable enough to tell you that because, oh no, he's the CEO. He can't say that. Now your, your team has to be able to feel comfortable enough to respect that position and still be able to say, you got to back down a little bit. Yeah. And earlier in earlier in my career, uh, I was just a grind, 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 you know, and I'm sure I burned some people out. Uh, yeah. no um, yep. I think it is you get older. You know, you know, how, probably what changes you a little bit is when you have kids. Yeah. Because <laughs> yep. yep. if you're always grinding your kid, I mean, 
you know they come it. home with a B plus <laughs> and you yell at them, you should have got an A. I mean, eventually you defeat them. So yeah, you gotta, yeah. you gotta prop them up and then let's, how do we get that A? Um, uh, and I think that does soften you a little bit or puts proper boundaries on you. Yeah. Yeah. Brant, what what do you think? I mean, I know I I used to think, uh, Joe, I was a workaholic, and then Brant comes along. He he, you know, slakes it, and he's putting in a lot of hours. Very passionate, very committed. You are, I would think, Brant, very obsessed about the things you focus on. Um, and it's probably less personal, although we laugh our butts off all the time we're together. Mm-hmm. But you are driven by work. Um, what what do you think about that? Do you think you could go too far from an obsession standpoint? And have you? Uh, I don't know that I, even if I have that I'd ever admit it to you. Um, but, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> this was an intervention. I talked to Joe about having a conversation with him. I, think, I think Joe and I have a lot in common. Um, what, what I would say is this, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of organizations that I've had an opportunity to work with use the word believe a lot, right? It's even in, on their website. We believe this. We believe that. And I, I, I don't like that word. <laughs> um, I, I think that belief is needed in the absence of proof. And so if you are constantly telling people to believe something, it's because there's no proof that it actually exists. And so if you want to see the sort of obsession from everybody, they have to see that behavior. They have to see proof that that exists. If you're telling people it's a family, they need to see proof that that family environment exists. If you're telling somebody that they can have a voice and not get uh, reprimanded for calling somebody out, they have to see proof of that to know that, that it exists. And when they do that, guess what? You don't have to have them believe anything. All you have to do is point to the proof and acknowledge that it exists. And when people see that, then they feel comfortable in engaging in those things. And so, you know, for me, um, as much as I, you know, I sort of cut from the same cloth as Joe, I don't just want to win. I want to win by the biggest margin ever. And then I want to rub your face in it just, <laughs> just to make sure you'll never try to do it again. Right. Um, but that's, that comes from, I think, um, an upbringing of playing competitive sports. And, mm-hmm. and I think this last generation, arguably the last two generations, um, competitive sports is is almost non-existent we have sports but yeah. unless you're playing travel ball or you're doing something at a higher level everybody gets that trophy it's not about winning or losing anymore nobody wants to have a negative feeling of here or that and, and to be honest the reason that i'm so obsessed now is because those losses back in my in my younger years hurt so badly i oh, yeah. I, ne- I never wanted to experience them again and so mm-hmm. i was driven to do whatever it takes to win and i knew that i didn't have to be perfect all i had to do was be better than the person i was playing against mm-hmm. and however much effort that took to get to that point is how much effort i was going to put in and then some just to be just to be sure to cover my bases and and that mentality doesn't exist for the most part, I don't want to generalize too much, but I have rarely seen that mentality in Gen Y, Gen Z. You know, they just they they grew up in a different era with a different expectation, and and losing was a bad thing for them. But but losing was an everyday thing for all the rest of us that we just had to deal with the loss and figure out how to move forward. And when you've yeah. never had to deal with a loss, and you get into the workspace and you go well. 
gee, Joe, I've shown up on time every day for three months. Where's my raise? Yeah. And we're like, that's that's the job. What do you mean, yeah. where's your raise? <laughs> you get it 26 times a year, <laughs> every other Friday. <laughs> that's exactly right. So, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, uh, so we're, we are Gen Xers, I, I believe all of us here. And, and, I, and I feel like that drive, that, that level of obsession has gotten fractionally smaller with each generation behind us. And, and unless we are there to encourage people to, to do it, you know, with my kids growing up, I wasn't obsessed with them winning. I was obsessed with them wanting to win. That's yeah. all I cared about. Whether they won or lost, I'm okay. If they went into a game like, eh, I had a right. problem. I had a problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted them to want to win because when you want to win and you lose, you take it personally. You feel it, and that's what's going to change behavior and get you to a point where you're going to actually work harder to achieve the things that you want, as opposed to going in not caring. And if you win, you don't care, and if you lose, you don't care. So what's the point of this whole exercise? I don't understand. Yeah, right. Right. So that's that's sort of my thing. I, I wish that we would instill a desire to succeed, a desire to win, and allow this these younger generations to lose more often so that they can feel what it takes to, to get to that next level. Best yeah. thing that happened to me was getting cut from a team. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and that, you know, that wasn't the greatest sports moment, but it's one of the ones that sticks the most because I didn't like the way that felt. <laughs> I still yeah. told that it wasn't good enough to be with this group and it wasn't go to another team. It was just go by. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yikes. Yeah, I, so you get that and you're like, I don't want that again. And I think that carries into your work. I, I will never forget Joe. I, I so I played uh, high school, uh, many sports in, in high school, but, but football being one of them. And I, I was the, the place kicker and the punter for the football team. And, and we had arguably the worst football team on the planet, uh, at least had the longest losing streak in high school football for the three or four years that I was on the team. And we got to this one point when I was a senior and we got to uh, the end of the game and, and I had a field goal to, to win it. And I missed the field goal. And so we went into a tiebreaker and I had an opportunity to kick another field goal to win it. And I missed again. Ooh. I don't, I don't miss. I never miss. I missed twice in a row and I still will never forget mm -hmm. sitting in the dugout. My, my team hated me in that moment because mm -hmm. I robbed them of this rare thing called a win yeah. <laughs> that, that our team had never seen. And, and my coach knew how much this hurt me right like because this was this is everything to me and his way of diffusing the the scenario we were it was just him and i everybody left the the, the locker room and he looks at me and he literally hands me a roll of lifesavers and he goes want a lifesaver <laughs> and i'm like you son of a bitch <laughs> you needed one at the time oh my gosh he was able to diffuse that scenario and sort of talk me through it and and say to me i hope you learn from this that yeah, these it, these scenarios learning moments right? right these scenarios come and they go and if you walk away from this and learn nothing then you're going to experience this again. And I can tell that that's not something you want to experience again. So what are you going to do to make sure that this mm -hmm. doesn't happen again? Right. And, and we were able to sort of set a new guideline for 
what I was going to do in practice and how much more I was going to focus and where I was going to practice from on each side of the field to make sure if I was left or right, I felt comfortable no matter where I was in the field of kicking that field goal. And, you know, it, I never missed the rest of my career. And I can tell you that much when I when I played because I became obsessed with never experience, not, not obsessed of winning obsessed to never feel like that again <laughs> right and that's exactly. just a completely different approach it's a bad it's a bad feeling that sticks with you you remember right. that feeling more than winning that's exactly right that's why you win that's, that's right. exactly right exactly although just right. to be clear brant we're not in competition <laughs> you're not trying to win with me every day you've already <laughs> we're, we're already there you keep telling yourself that <laughs> So th this is perfect. I love this conversation around obsession. And, and I thought this would be uh, a fun one. The, the additional quote, the corresponding thought that we have for Joe's is this, uh, this amazing quote from Conor McGregor. And, uh, you know, he actually does say something every once in a while that uh, you can, you can spool something from it. Step rock number two. And here was his thought. It said that you could be anyone if you put in the time. You will reach the top, and that's that. I'm not talented. I'm obsessed. And I think his quote was really about, you know, in lieu of talent, in lack of talent or actually pure skill set, it can easily be overshadowed by hard work and passion, passion and, and uh, commitment and perseverance, right? So this whole notion that we've just had over the last half hour about obsession, and maybe this is the question we'll start with you, Joe. Do you think that you could be so obsessed if you focus on these things that you could actually make up for talent and skill set? Oh, yeah. You cannot teach work ethic and honesty. Those are like the two qualities you need to, to get a, a job with us. We can teach everything else and you can work at everything else. Um and is if you're obsessed to learn, 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 everything will be taught to you. You'll, 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 yeah. you'll, you'll have no problem in our industry. Um, uh, you know, I'm sure there's other industries that are a little more difficult that are more technical, but from our standpoint, as long as you have hard work in you and you're honest, we're good to go. We'll be able to, we'll make you a great part of the team. Um, yeah. Cause everything else is taught and you can get it by just working at it and be obsessed with it. Be obsessed with learning. Not everybody's an accountant, but you certainly can learn a PL if you just right. sit through it and sit through it and watch it, how it goes from A to B to C. Um, everything can be taught in our business. So, yeah, I wonder if there are, I, I'm sure there are, like you said, accountant. There's probably some industries, some jobs that you have to have skill set. I, yeah. I, I get that. But in our industry, which by the way, I think the National Restaurant Association now has it something like 65 or 70%. I think it might be as high as 70% of everybody in the country in the United States at least will start their their career in hospitality working in restaurant food beverage maybe hotel yeah. that's sort of their stepping stone some of us like you you make your career you stay in here forever but there are others you know it's a stepping stone to go do something else but the the hard lessons the hard work ethic that you talk about you can't survive without having that and I, I guess it reminds me of Rita Gilligan, who's the very first uh, server that was ever hired at Hard Rock. She was one of the original 49, still alive, one of the few that's still alive. She actually admits all the time, and I've shared this on the show with Brain a couple of times, she freely admits she's not that great. She Technically, you know, she's, she's just not. But her personality, again, this passion, this commitment, this obsession that we talk about and making people have an awesome experience – saved her hide so many times to the extent that 
she has she had five kids and she had five homes for them fully paid for in cash by tips ah. 50 years you know five decades of just rocking people's face off and i go she's a prime example of somebody like you said in our industry who maybe not as talented on the nuts and bolts but boy she can bring the thunder when it comes to just creating uh, an experience and putting a smile on somebody's face and that's worth gold right i think that's what's cool about our industry is we take all walks of life into it yeah uh, you can be you could have gone and got a phd you could have stopped going to school after high school it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. It's really just a hospitality, high work ethic business. And if you, it, we don't need a, a huge skill set coming in, we'll teach the skill set. Mm-hmm. You just can't teach that work ethic. And that's right. I think that's cool about our business because you know a lot of people, you have to have this degree or you have to have that degree. You have to have this to get another job. Um, we don't care. As long as you have a really good work ethic and like being in the hospitality business, everything else can be fine. So. Yeah, I think it is. It's that it, <clears throat> the nature of the business really helps uh, in that way. I don't know that I want my heart surgeon trying really yes. hard, but maybe not having <laughs> right. the talent necessary to perform yeah. the but job. But he's committed. He's committed. He, he is committed. Yeah. He practices on that pig he's, on a regular basis. On me quite a bit. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, I think it's funny though because you know, here's here's a scenario of of just if you've ever dealt with a, you know an ornery surgeon of any kind. Um, if they are the best at what they do, you're willing to put up with quite a bit to go see them yep. and get it done, right? I'll, I'll deal with this guy who's a complete jerk or this woman who's just absolutely unbearable to deal with because they are so phenomenally talented. You know you're going to get the result that you want. That doesn't translate into the hospitality business. No. You know, it's somebody who goes, you know what? Gosh, that steak that I got at Twin Peaks was so amazing. I'm going to put up with awful service and being rude and yelled at and, <laughs> yeah. you know, awful look and everything is gross and dirty. It doesn't work that way. And so, no. you know, it's 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 funny how there are certain industries that have, a, a, mm-hmm. you know, a larger window for being able to put up with stuff like that. But in the hospitality business, all it takes is that one bad experience and it's the one that's memorable i i'll tell you when we toured with the band we kept a list we kept a list of places that we had bad experiences and if you're yes. if your restaurant was on the list yep. um no matter where we were in the country we did not frequent your establishment right that was just that was just the way that it was one of our big things you know we'd go and try to eat um chinese food every now and then and and if you if, if we ordered a Coke or Diet Coke and you brought it to me in a can, we're never coming back. <laughs> that was one of our rules. I'm not going to pay you by the can. Right. I know I know it cost you seven cents to fill yep. this glass from a soda fountain. I'm not paying you $2.50 for a can of Coke. And so, you know, we would we would have these experiences. We had an awful experience at a at a well-known breakfast establishment. Believe it or not, it wasn't Waffle House. And, uh, you know, we had, uh, uh, we would never go back no matter where we were. And, and it's interesting enough, we've had the opposite experiences where we went in and it was like, you know, we make fun of Denny's, but, but Jim and I on occasion, uh, in, in Winter Garden, we go to Denny's not to eat, 
but to go to see our favorite waitress there who every time we go, she greets us. She, she remembers us. She, she, it's just, we have a great time no matter what the food tastes like because she gives us that attention and that, that experience that we long for. And, um, you know, we, we've probably gone there more times than I care to admit to anybody. And and it wasn't for the food. Mm -hmm. It, It was for our, it was for our server. And sometimes six, eight months apart. Yeah. And she still remembered exactly what we ordered and remember who we were. It's yep. amazing. That, that, those are the differences that makes your restaurant great. Yeah. You have people like that. It, it sort of wraps up. Um, you know, we were talking about this uh, on, a, on a different episode about there are people that don't know, can't do, and don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, and the ones that don't know, that, that's our jam, right? Especially for me as a training development guy, I, can, I feel like at least I can teach almost anything. It's just knowledge dump. Yep. The ones that can't do, you know, it makes you nervous a little bit. You're willing to give them second, third tries. That's where training comes in and reinforcement. And now we go back to technical, practical skills that maybe you're willing to just do a little bit of la, 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 la. You know, I, I, you know I'm going to let you slide a little bit on some of this. But the ones that don't care, I have no love for them because those are the ones that are going to impair the business. But if they care a lot, again, I go back to what you were saying initially, Joe, with the obsession and your passion, you're committed, you've got perseverance. I think you can make up in a lot of ways these these technical, tactical, practical skills that maybe you're just a little bit weak. Now, if you can't do anything, you know, we, we've got to promote you to a customer. We got to get you to go yeah, yeah. maybe into a different industry. But for the most part, I think people that are coming into our world they want to do better. And if you can, like you said, impart a little bit of obsession, man, they could pretty much write their own ticket. They, you're spot on. You can't teach the don't care. That's right. And uh, other than that, we can figure it out. And there's, even if technically they're struggling in certain areas, there's so many jobs in a restaurant, we can find something. That's right. If they care and work hard, we can find something. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Joe, where, um, well, a couple things. Where would you like for our audience to go and check out a little bit more about Twin Peaks, but maybe also just to learn a little bit more or stay connected with you? Uh, I'm all over LinkedIn. (laughs) Okay. That's your jam. That's your place. I I like to push out uh, where we're at. You know, how we just opened a new store yesterday in Amarillo. Um, oh, cool. It's, it's, it's exciting to push out to the business community as, as LinkedIn is for me. And I hit it on Facebook too. Um, our, our Twin Peaks site, you know, our Twin Peaks Facebook sites, the jam, as you'll call it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I push out on LinkedIn just to let everybody know how great everybody's doing. We knocked out a $16,000 dinner last night in Amarillo, Texas. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. Dinner only. Talk about wow. jamming. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. Yeah. Wow. I have a I have a great soft spot in Amarillo. I spoke uh, about five years ago for the Better Business Bureau there, and they were giving out, uh, they have this thing called the Torch Awards, and they really celebrate businesses, local businesses a lot. Um, and they, they really propped me up coming in town. So when I showed up, I had no clue that they were doing this. There were billboards with my face really? on it and that I was speaking at this event table tents posters so i'm walking downtown amarillo and no matter where what people were like hey it's jim night like I, it was freaking me out but they are a warm bunch so if if you've made it into that community and you're you're crushing it as i know you are i mean I, every time i open up uh social media i just see how great the brand is doing i'm a huge fan you guys are scratch recipe yep. the food's great the people are great um I, I think sometimes people that just haven't been there in a while need to check it out because you guys are really doing it right I'm Amarillo is a billion dollars. Amarillo was number 87 and uh, we opened 11 this year. 
Wow. Um, and next wow. year we're on pace for 22 to 25. Uh, our amazing. next opening will be Mexico City, number three. Wow. Just signed a 32-store uh, agreement down there to do 32 stores with our uh, really great partners down there. So amazing! excited to continue to expand um, internationally. Uh, yeah. We want to we take this thing outside the U.S. Uh, and I think you'll see that happening into next year for sure, but even years to come. We have a, a big audience out there. You can't substitute Twin Peaks. Uh, so it, as long as we can keep pushing it out there, uh, we're very well represented in texas obviously in florida and yeah you got three in orlando there's one in altamont springs yep. lake one vista and i drive so yep. yeah yeah those were all uh god i think i drive was an old kobe steakhouse mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and uh altamont springs was a friday's okay fridays. so yeah that's the only one in the area i haven't been to we've been to the other two yep yeah like you said, we're, we're a fan uh, of both the brand and of you, man. We're, and uh, I just know that you're doing some great stuff and uh, much success. And again, we just encourage everybody to go take a look at um, both the, the website and also, um, you know, all of the information and, and Joe's bio that we have in the show notes. So, man, you just keep doing you and uh, hey. we'll, we'll follow you on the journey. Thank you guys. It's been fun. And I'll podcast with you guys anytime. As, as long as I don't have anything scripted, I'm good. To go. <laughs> that's I'm it. not that's, really good at scripts. That's how we roll okay. here, man. We try and make it easy. I do All five right, by brother. sevens with big, bold print. So yeah. I can read. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll totally, we'll, we'll go there. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you soon. You be Thanks, good. Thanks, brother. Appreciate Rock you. On. Bye-bye. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe so you ever miss an episode yeah and if you're interested in having brant or me or both of us speak at your event whether as a webinar for a virtual event or in person as a conference keynote contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com until next time rock rock on. on